Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Wonderful. Anybody want to hazard a guess at what the most pleasing scent is to people in the UK today, right now? What was that, Sean? Dunkin' Donuts. That wasn't on my list, but it's a good one. Any more? Cinnamon, coffee. Any more, any more? Fresh bread. Cue my wonderful assistant, who is now going to the oven, to bring in, you're not having it, by the way. It's just so you can smell it. To bring it, I hope I'm having it. Some fresh bread. Look at this, straight out of the oven. Oh, I'm, oh it's like the breaking of bread, isn't it? And on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body. Oh, just, just put that under a few people's noses. That is beautiful. That is the favorite scent in the UK right now. Just going to get my little bag of tricks out. No Jimmy Choo anymore, Steve. No Jimmy Choo. This is the second favorite scent right now. Is anybody asthmatic? All right, I'll just do it this way then. So a few people can... This is vanilla, okay? Second favorite scent in the UK today. Anyone hazard a guess at what the worst scent is in the UK? <laughs> who, who said that, what? Feces, no, it's not. Farts, no, Steve can't say that from the pulpit. Could someone put him on the back row? <laughs> who? Catweek, no, I'll show you what it is. I'd just like to announce the are, these are fresh. I haven't worn them recently. Socks. Did you know it's possible to smell feelings? Oh, thank you. If I get hungry, I'll be all right. We can smell fear. We can smell disgust. We can smell happiness. We can even smell sexual arousal on other people. So if you know you're attracted to somebody in the church, don't get too close because you might give off a smell that you don't want to give away. Apparently, humans can detect at least a trillion different cells with their 10 million smell receptors in their nose. Women have a stronger sense of smell than men, which is probably why when women are pregnant, they, they seem to smell things and taste things very differently. I had a massive addiction to fish fingers when I was pregnant with my kids. We all have our own smell that is totally unique to us. A bit like we have our own DNA. We all smell different to somebody else. We can smell before we're born, but we can't smell when we're asleep. Who knew? So if someone's cooking up a nice brekkie downstairs, it's not going to wake you. Smell is our most memorable sense. We can remember smells for longer than sight, sound, tastes, and feelings. When my nan died, we were allowed to go to her house and take whatever we wanted. And I went for the, the, the airing cupboard and took towels and bed linen and I put it in my airing cupboard and didn't use it for about a year because I just had to keep going in and getting a sniff of my nan. Weird, I know, but it was just, it was a comfort. To reach the pinnacle of the perfume profession, say that when you've had too many. Not that we all would, absolutely, of course not. Perfumers have to be able to successfully identify at least 250 different scents as part of their induction test. 
This difficult initiation is why there are only 50 fully-fledged perfumers in the world today. They're actually called noses. That's their nickname. The global perfume market last year was valued at over $50 billion. And fragrances can alter the mood you're in. And the book of Proverbs tells us that oil and perfume can make the heart glad. Nike and Apple are spending millions on our sense of smell, developing corporate fragrances that remind us of their products. They create them with scents like rubber and leather and mud. And apparently that's just to remind us of playing sports. And they pump these fragrances into their retail stores. Let me get a bit scientific. The olfactory center of the brain is next to the limbic system that determines our mood, behavior, actions, and emotions, and connects our senses, including who we are, how we behave, and how we remember things, and what we smell. That's why the perfume industry spends millions of pounds on power and arousal and relaxation, because they know if they can get you to smell something, they can get you to feel something, and if they can get you to feel something, that you can get you to buy something. And I found out that this is actually true because a couple of months ago, Kathy and I went on a bit of a road trip up to York and on the way there was this amazing factory retail outlet place and we went in and as we were walking around, there was this most amazing smell and we had no idea where it was coming from and it felt like it was following us around and then eventually we found this perfume shop called Penhaligans and we went in and we said to the assistant, are you spraying perfume like, outside your shop and around this shopping center? And she went, oh yeah, we put it through the vents. It's our number one bestseller, Halfetti. And so I said, well, I need, I need a bit of a squish of this Halfetti stuff. And uh, of course we put it on and I'm thinking, I'm having some of this. I said, how much is it please? 215 quid. 215 quid. So you know what I did, don't you everybody? <laughs> I found the dupe for 15. There you go. So Halfetti is the real name, but the dupe is called Confetti. And then I found another one called Nutmeg and Artemisia. But anyway, 15 quid if you want a bit of Halfetti. Beautiful. But I see how easy they can lure you in. You smell something, then you feel it, and then you think, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Smell is a huge part of being human. Anthropologists or social scientists think that the act of kissing actually came from sniffing. For a long time, apparently, I know it's a load of rubbish, apparently humans would sniff one another to see if they were a pleasing mate. And after a while, if they liked what they smelt, they'd see how they tasted. And that is where kissing came from. So the next time you hug someone, just remember you're basically smelling them. And I, I, don't, I do this all the time. I'll hug someone and say, oh, you smell fantastic. So, uh, you know, don't let it lead to a kiss unless it's a biblical, you know, greet one another with a holy kiss. That's all right. You're yeah, You're welcome. And finally, it's not the end of the preach, by the way, just this little bit. There are over 200 references to smell, scent, perfume, odor, and aroma in the Bible. From the very first book, Genesis, in Genesis 2, it talks about a land known for a sweet-scented resin. And then right at the last book of the Bible, in Revelation 18, it talks about perfume, wood, and all sorts of spices and incense. You can't see it. You can't hear it. You can't touch it, but scent is so powerful. Now, I happen to have a very sensitive nose. I don't do bad smells well. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but contrast the bad smell to a good smell. Oh. We've heard about bread. We've heard about vanilla. What about fresh coffee? Whew. Come on, Joss is right there. Fabric conditioner. Oh. 
You know, when you get in bed and you've washed and ironed your sheets, it's like, oh. And then you watch those adverts and they're still getting into bed like three weeks later and mine lasts like half a day. It's like, I don't get it. Scented candles. Bit of Yankee. Love it. And then if any of you have got kids and you've ever been to a place called Sundown, if you haven't, you've got to go. They've got this Christmas ride and it's, it's like a kid's version of a roller coaster, but it doesn't go, go up and down and it doesn't loop the loop and it's literally just on the floor, but it's great. But as you go around, it's got all these Christmas scenes and they pump through the vents, things like scented cone and all, all Christmas scents. It's absolutely beautiful. But most of all, I love my perfume. I'm going to put them there because our other pulpit used to have a lovely little lip and I was going to show them from the top. So apologies if you can't see them, but this is not Jimmy Choo, Steve. I'm not into that anymore. I've moved on. Got myself a new scent. Because I struggle with bad scents, I wear quite a lot of perfume. I wear it because I like the scent, but a lot of the time you might see me just do this sometimes because I just want to smell myself. Because apparently the sign of a good scent is that you cannot smell it on yourself. And I can never smell what I put on and it frustrates me. So I'll just often just lift my jumper up and give it a smell. Can you smell me? Well, that could be the bread and the <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> but this, this right here, oh, this is my favorite scent in the whole world. This is Oud and Bergamot by Joe Malone. And apparently, Oud is the most expensive perfume <laughs> that you can buy. Actually, no, actually, no, it's not, you're right. But, but Oud on its own is a very, very rare, it's hard to get hold of. And so it makes the perfume expensive. And my mom's like, why do you have so, such an expensive taste? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know where that came from. But anyway, Oud, these are all my, these are my Oud scents. How Fetty's got Oud in it as well. There you go. Oud comes from the wood of the tropical agar, agar tree, the agar wood from India. And when the wood gets infected with a certain mold, it reacts and it produces this precious, dark, fragrant resin which smells sweet, aromatic, a bit woody. And oud can be traced back to ancient cultures. It's still used in religious settings today, even in Christian ceremonies. And the process in which the oud is obtained is considered symbolic. Because what happens is, it, it represents resurrection. Because the mold kills the tree, but then the tree becomes alive with a scent that they can use to produce perfume. So it gets reborn. It gets reborn into a stunning scent. And this, this oud is mentioned all over the Old and New Testament. And it's also mentioned, scent is mentioned all the time about Jesus. In fact, the three most significant events for Jesus was his birth, when the wise men brought him frankincense and myrrh, they brought him perfume. It was mentioned uh, just before he went to the cross, when Mary smashed an alabaster box of perfume all over him. And then when he's taken down from the cross and he's buried, it says in the book of John that they anointed his body with a mixture of aloe and myrrh. So scent is all over the Bible. Gotta love Mary, though, and that alabaster box, because she gave her all. She gave everything she had for Jesus. And when she did, when she just broke a massive jar, just smashed it, and just covered him in it, it didn't just cover him, it would have covered her. The scent that she put on Jesus would have lingered all over her and everywhere she went as well. Just beautiful. And I don't know about you, but 
I want to give Jesus my all. I, I want to leave a scent like he leaves a scent. An aroma, a fragrance. I want to let you in on a little secret. I actually feel naked without perfume on. It's a bit of a daily ritual for me. It's more important than makeup. It's more important than my hair. My hair could be a mess. Always straightened, but could be a mess. But I'll still have perfume on. I might be in my joggers, but I'll still have perfume on. It's just part of my little routine. And I know for many it's an extravagance, but for me it's an essential. I'll scrimp on everything else to make sure I can wear some perfume. And some of you might recall back in August that I got the opportunity to go over to Bulgaria just to wreck it out because it's a charity that we're going to support as a church and we're going to take teams over there in the, in the coming months and years. And actually Joss and Claire are going over in December. We're going to be talking to you in a few weeks' time about filling some stockings. And Joss and Claire are going to take these stockings and they're going to present them to the kids in the slums and in the ghettos. How cool is that? So we're going to get some great opportunities with this charity. But John called me and he said, okay, Kate, I've, everything's booked. We've booked the flights. Um, he said, uh, unfortunately, just to cover costs, keep costs down, we're not taking um, suitcases. Uh, we're going to do this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa back up. <laughs> Hang on a minute. What do, you, what do you mean we're not taking suitcases? And he laughed and he said, yeah, we thought you'd say that. So you're allowed one of these 10 kg suitcases, you know, those little wheel-ons that you put on the plane. And I'm thinking, and if you're a seasoned traveler, you'll know what's coming. I'm thinking, okay, so how do I fit my 500 ml bottle of Tresemme when you can only take, uh, this is the size bag that you get to take all your toiletries in. I'm thinking, Tresemme shampoo, Tresemme conditioner, heat protector, serum, moisturizer, facial cream. I'm thinking, ah. And John's like, Kate, it'll be fine. We're in the city center. What we're going to do, we'll get there. We'll just go out and buy all the things that we need. And I'm thinking, John, 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 no. You don't, you don't get it. I'm not going to find Tresemme in the city center in Bulgaria. I'm not going to find my posh facial cream from Aldi in the city centre of Bulgaria. This was my travel bag. I had to fill these little tubs with my special stuff. And I realised as I was filling it, I ain't going to get a bottle of perfume in that bag. And so I get picked up at 3 a.m. in the morning and I've already put my perfume on and we get to the airport and I'm straight through customs. I'm in the duty-free, layering it up, putting it all over my jumper. And I tell you what, we get to the city centre. I open my hotel room in the morning. There's a chemist with a perfume side to it. And every day I'd go in. Morning. <laughs> and I tell you, the day we went to the biggest slum in Europe... I was so pleased that I could walk around doing that because some of the smells that come out of that place are not good at all. Some people just can't live with things like deodorant or brushing their teggies, but for me, it's perfume. So how I smell is something that I think about a lot because I never leave home without perfume on. Like I said, I want to leave a scent in the natural, but more than that, I want to leave a scent in the spiritual. And about two decades ago, and some of you will know this story, I was at a conference, I can't remember what it was, but a national leader of our denomination came up to me and said, I want to prophesy over you that everywhere you go, you're going to leave the scent of Jesus. And that really resonated with me. I thought, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. And then literally about six weeks ago, in the space of a week, two people said exactly the same thing to me. 
And I was already prepping what I was going to bring for you next, and it was all around scent. And I thought, Jesus, you're a genius. But here's the deal. When God asks you to preach on something, he will never allow you to preach on it unless he will first test you in it. Can I get a witness? So there I am all puffed up thinking, yeah, leave the scent of Jesus everywhere I go, waft it about, and I'm this wonderful person. And every time I walk into the room, it's like, oh, Kate's walked into the room, she smells good, and she just oozes Jesus. And then I'd had a particularly bad weekend, and I'd not had my, my quiet time with God the way that I need my quiet time with God. And this is something that I always used to say to my children as I was growing up. I said, kids, if you just leave me for the first hour in the morning, I'll be the best mum you could possibly have. If you come in and annoy me when I'm trying to spend time with Jesus, I am not going to be a good mum. So I'd had this weekend, I hadn't, I hadn't really spent that much quality time with Jesus, and boy, I always know it when I have. And so it was my turn to bring a devotional into the, the staff meeting. So I walk in on the Monday afternoon, I've got my Devo, and I'm basically saying to them all, listen, we've got to spend more time with God. And I wasn't having a go at them. It, this, was, this was definitely, I knew it was all about me. I said, we're just going to do something a bit different today. We're just going to sit in his presence because I need him. We're just going to sit for a couple of minutes and spend some time with him. And so that happened, and the meeting went on. And then Ali and Sos brought this proposal to the meeting, and I didn't like it at all. And everybody in the room knew about it. And I, I tell you, I did not leave a good scent in the room that day. And I literally, when, I just wanted to walk out and cry because I knew that that was a bit of a test for me, and I failed it epically. And I was like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I mean, I hardly ever go into a meeting and get mardy. I don't, did I raise my voice? I don't think I raised my voice. Oh, I know. All right, don't get defensive. <laughs> but isn't it great how the Lord will not allow us to be puffed up in the things that we hear. He just keeps us humble. But I didn't cover myself in glory, and I want to. I want to leave a scent. I want us all to leave the scent of Jesus wherever we go, because we're called to. We're called to. And apparently a sense of smell is so important that there's actually a term for it. Um, it's, if, if you don't have scent and you cannot smell, it can cause massive depression. It's a mental health condition because lack of scent means that you lose emotions, you lose your connection to the world. And I reckon the Apostle Paul knew about this neurological fact 2,000 years ago when he wrote our key verses from this morning from 2 Corinthians 2. 14 to 17, should come up on the screen. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent that rises to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation and aroma redolent with life. But those on the way to destruction treat us more like the stench of a rotting corpse. The Passion Translation says, we're the perfume of life to those being saved and the odor of death to those who are perishing. And it goes on to say, this is a terrific responsibility. Is anyone competent to take it on? No. But at least we don't take God's word, water it down, and then take it to the streets to sell it cheap. The Apostle Paul realized he was part of a parade. Back in the day, a Roman triumphal procession would take place after some kind of victory 
or some kind of conquest had been won. So think things like the Gladiator or the Hunger Games. And the leader would be followed behind. He'd have his priests and his officers, soldiers, dancers, musicians, and then his captives. It was the most amazing procession to the eyes at the world of that day. It was like a spectacle that it's actually really hard to imagine or conceive. And the Roman leader would display his treasures and his captives would be following behind. And it says this, a cloud of incense would be burned for the gods. Literally, the whole city would be filled with a fragrance. And that was the most stimulating part of the entire procession, the aroma of the event. And it represented victorious life to the soldiers, but to the captives, they knew it meant death. And in the same way, when the gospel is preached, it gives life to those who accept it, but it represents death and judgment to the ones who reject it. Believers recognize the life-giving perfume of the message, but to non-believers, it reeks of death. Isn't it amazing how the same scent can mean, but be perceived in a completely different way? Paul in these verses is saying that where Christians live out the life of Christ, a sweet aroma goes up to God. And we display humility and sacrifice and worship and obedience and the preaching of the good news of the gospel, which brings pleasure and glory to God. And when we live like that, it says we're like perfume in God's nostrils. Some Christians think God's only glorified when unbelievers are converted by the preaching of the gospel. That's not what Paul says. He says God's pleased when we preach the gospel, period. Whether men accept it or reject it. That's why it says in verse 17, we're not adequate for these things. What things? We're not adequate to manifest Jesus to a dying world. We can't live like Jesus did. Not in and of ourselves. And we're not adequate to present the gospel in a way that's going to convince and convict sinners. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He's the one who does the convicting. He's the one who does the converting. We can't do any of that in our own strength. Church, there is no way in the natural that any human being would receive the gospel and repent. Why, why would you? The gospel is utterly countercultural to the world we live in today. It has to be the Holy Spirit to sovereignly intervene. I'm helping Kathy with Alpha at the moment in Ruddington. And we got this young couple of young girls who came in. And a couple of weeks ago, they had the food. And then they, they went out, and we were about to play the, the video, and Kathy just went out, and she would, and say, coming in, girls. And this girl, and no word of a lie, she's probably one of the prettiest things I've ever seen in my life. She turned around at her and said, I'm not a girl. I'm like, well, what do you do with that? She is. But she's determined that she isn't. What do you do with that? We can't change her mind. But we know someone who can. It's his problem. We're just his hands and feet. We leave his scent. He does the convincing and the convicting and the converting. So we're not adequate. God's the one that enables us every day to get up. He's the one who puts breath in our lungs every day. He could take us tonight if he wants to. He helps us to continue to live the life that he's called us to. He's the one that enables us to get back up when we've fallen. He picked me back up after my incident in the staff room. He sorted me out. He's the one who gives us grace when we know we've failed. He's the one who gives us the boldness to go out and share the good news. And maybe we haven't really loved up to what we say we believe. Maybe we haven't been the best aroma for Christ. But with God's help, we can be. It's not us. It's not in our own strength. 
It's not easy, is it, following Jesus? In fact, becoming a Christian is the hardest thing you could possibly do. Because the Bible tells us right there in those verses, we are potential instruments of life and death to those around us. Through God, we spread the fragrance of Jesus everywhere. Whether it's interpreted as good or bad, we are influencing people, whether they like it or not. And some of our scent is going to, scent is going to be stunning, and some of it is going to stink to high heaven. So what's your scent? How do you smell? How do you smell at home, around your family? How do you smell when you go to work, when you're going out socially? What fragrance are you carrying and, and leaving and depositing? When you walk into a room, what happens? I guess that depends how you walked in. If you walk in full of anger and bitterness and a load of people walk out, they probably walked out because it's you. If you're not having a good day with your kids and you walk in the room and they walk out, guess what? It's you. What does your partner do when you walk in the room? Your friends. Do you think your friends dread it when your name comes up on a text? Think, oh, no. Yeah, not you again. What kind of scent are you leaving? Because whatever it is that's in you is going to come out of you. And if you're not in a good place, guess what's going to come out when someone squeezes you? I wasn't in a good place when I went into that staff meeting and I got squeezed and some bad stuff came out. We're going to smell. Are we going to smell good or are we going to smell bad? And when I talk about smell here, I'm talking about, God's talking about our attitudes, our dispositions, our actions and our words. What are we, how are we acting towards other people? Now, as you're probably all aware, we are experiencing huge resistance in our world and our culture right now towards our faith. And I know this firsthand from my own social media account, which I haven't been on for 21 days. Anybody else fasted social media? Haven't missed it at all, to be honest. Might go back on, might not. But if I post anything like social injustice on my post, I get loads of likes and some great comments. But if I post something that people don't like... Pfft. So last season, you know I'm always going to bring Forrest in somewhere. <laughs> last season... The penultimate game of the season at the city ground was Forest Arsenal. And when we won 1-0, you reds, I posted on my social media, tongue-in-cheek, oh, thank you, Jesus, we're staying up. And somebody commented back, nobody that I know, commented back some expletives that I can't share, and then they said, never mix faith or religion with football. And I thought, okay, all right. I didn't argue about it, I can't be bothered. All right, so tell that to about seven of our players then that when they're walking down the tunnel onto the famous hallowed turf, will pray. Or to the ones that get onto the field and kneel down and lift their hands to heaven. Or to Taiwo Wanyi, who when he scored, lifted his shirt up to reveal a vest with a Bible verse on it and then proceeded to worship God in front of thousands of people. Taiwo Awanye, mate. Top scorer at the minute. Currently injured, yeah. You're welcome. He does need some prayer. Let's pray for Taiwo. Taiwo Awanye. I'm singing because I've lost my place. 
Anyway, so listen to this. So Taiwo was interviewed recently because a commentator had picked up on the fact that when he scores now, he doesn't celebrate. So the interviewer asked him, what's all that about? And this was his answer. To be honest, it's not even intentional. It's just more of a thing I've already seen happen. It's what's supposed to be. Even when people don't see it happening, I already know. So when it happens, there's just a calmness in me. And I thought, that is absolutely brilliant. Here's a guy who knows he was born on purpose, for a purpose. My purpose is to preach and to be a pastor. His purpose is to score goals. And that is what he does. And this is the best thing of all. He don't need to celebrate. He's got faith because he's asked God for a gift. God has blessed him with a gift. So he expects to score just as we should expect to do right things, to do good things, because God's gifted us in that way. What a guy. But on social media, people are so ready and so up for an argument over God. What do you mean there's only one way to God? That's a bit exclusive. What do you mean homosexuality is wrong? What century are you living in? What do you mean Jesus is coming back? Get real. What do you mean you believe in a literal resurrection? What do you mean you believe in the immaculate conception? What do you mean you believe in creation? Are you mad? So much animosity around sharing our faith in the public arena. And I think we live in fear of saying anything out of place. Gone are the days when it's easy to be a Christian in the West. Gone are the days of the UK being a Christian country, even though we are legally, because we have a main church, an established church, and we have a monarch as its head. We might have rights and freedoms, but it doesn't feel like it. We're no longer part of a dominant majority, and it's definitely not cool to profess or have a faith. But you know what? We're not called to be cool. Called to be faithful. And so mention anything around the buzz things that are going around at the minute. Mention anything around LGBTQ plus A or anything as a Christian and you're going to be hung, drawn and quartered. So we may have rights and freedoms, but it doesn't feel like it. But the Bible is so clear that we are not called to conform to the pattern of the world. We're not called to fit in to the culture of this world. And so we are navigating a climate today that is so anti to what we believe. And what's happened is, and this happens from time to time, we're experiencing what they call a moral revolution. And three things happen. Firstly, what was universally condemned is now celebrated. Think of something in our world today that was universally condemned that is now celebrated. Secondly, what was universally celebrated is now condemned. Hello, that would be us then. And thirdly, those who refuse to celebrate are condemning themselves. Cancelled. It is getting so much harder to share our faith today because the world does not want to hear it. And yet, and yet, I have seen Jesus radically change my life, turn my life around, and I have seen him do it in so many of your lives. I cannot deny that Jesus is real. He is still touching people's lives today. I can't keep that to myself. We need to be like the Apostle Paul who said, I am not ashamed of this. 
For those of you who benefit on the podcast, I'm holding up my Bible. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the good news to those who are perishing. Listen, those who are perishing, they haven't perished yet. So while they're still here, we still have the opportunity to share the good news with them, to tell them about Jesus, to tell them about the way he's changed our lives and how different their lives can be with him in it. And we cannot afford to dilute the potency of the perfume that we're giving off. Because if we compromise on what we believe and say it doesn't really matter, if we say, yeah, not sure about the validity of creation actually or, or the virgin birth, we're going to lose our scent. If we dilute down the gospel or the legitimacy of the Bible or whether Jesus is the only way to God, it's going to matter. Church, it matters. Because I learned from my research around perfume that in a perfume-making class, the minute you change one little ingredient, the scent is no longer the same. The minute we take out one ingredient from this thing, our amazing Bibles, one little thing coming out, changes it it dilutes it down it's no longer the good news it's had a significant scent change so we've got to keep sharing the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth you can't handle the truth oh I've always wanted to say that in a sermon and it's going to be the smell of life and hope and freedom to some and for others it's going to stink we're going to stink. All the things that we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus, loving our enemies, not gossiping, not having sex before we get married. I mean, these are huge things. Giving 10% of our income to the church, what? That's not appealing to the world. These things smell like death to those that are perishing, but they're not perished yet. We can keep working on our families and our neighbours. We can keep impacting Ruddington, Cotgrave and Keyworth. We can keep spreading the aroma of Christ. But we can't change any of the ingredients. We can't change the potency. So let's not be intimidated by a world that tells us to keep our beliefs to ourselves. And let's refuse to live in fear and refuse to not claim the gospel of goodness. Our generation needs us. And let's make every effort to be a sweet, swelling aroma to a lost and broken world. Three things really quickly. Just be ready. Be ready and willing to be used by God. Secondly, keep it real. Be real. Be transparent with people. It's not easy being a Christian. Don't tell them it is. It's not. It's hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, apart from raising children. Yeah, that's probably harder, to be fair. And third and finally, we need to be strong. I tell you what, guys, if you think it's hard being an adult and being a Christian, try being one of our young people. Kathy got up last week, she was sharing about how we've taken our young people away and we preached to them and taught them on identity. These guys are navigating pronouns and the transgender debate. They've got to go into their schools and listen to things being taught them that are totally different to what they're being taught in the church. I'm so proud to stand here and say, when we were talking to them about their identity, they know who they are in Christ. Oh, they know. And they were the ones that were getting angry about the fact that they have to call somebody something and they know they're not even that. 
and we did not radicalize them and we did not push for that. They shared that. We were the ones who had to say, you know what? That is, there might be people struggling, but your job is to love them. You're gonna go into your school. You're gonna love them regardless. If they wanna be called by something else, just call them it. If that's what you need to do. But we're gonna leave a scent in our classrooms and that is what our young people are doing. How amazing. And so can I encourage you to get your perfume on? Oh. Get your perfume on, splash your aftershave. And if you've been wearing an aroma that maybe doesn't represent Jesus, can I, can I ask you today that maybe it's time to change your scent? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you.